Hello podcast family, it's nice to be back in this series of messages um, entitled Good, Better, Best. And this is the very first message and we have, the title of this message is The Best Prison in the World. Yes, I know. It's intriguing, isn't it? I bet you're wondering, which prison is this, Patricia? What are you talking about? There's no such prison. There's no good prison. No one wants to be captive. Um, well, let me say this. The idea of being stuck to someone or something or inside a place is you know is not a good thing unless it is a voluntary act okay and so i want to say uh, to you my friends my podcast family i want to say to you that there actually is such a thing as a a prison full of joy full of good things but it's really a matter of position yourself to be inside this prison. And I'm going to explain to you better. See, Paul said, I am a prisoner of Christ. It's interesting because when he would introduce himself like this in his letters, in the beginning of his letters, um, usually he would be in a prison. He was inside a prison that um, he would write those beautiful letters and he would say, he would call himself, I'm a prisoner of Christ. Why would he do that? Because he refused to see himself as someone who was a prisoner of the government, a prisoner of the walls in that dark, you know, cold, humid place. He said, I'm not a prisoner of these walls. I'm a prisoner of Christ. I belong to him. And everything I do on this earth, I do for him and because of him. In Isaiah 61, it says, The Lord has anointed me to announce liberty to the captives. And so, see, if we have been anointed to, you know, preach, to set people free from addiction, from, you know, hurtful relationships from depression from many bad things obviously being captive is not a good thing being in a prison can be bad or can be good it depends it just depends on what type of prison you are in see for paul he was a good prison he was a prisoner of christ but in isaiah 61 that type of captivity is not a good one and so I think we should read together a very, very beautiful um, scripture, which is in the book of Zechariah. Zechariah was a prophet, and um, he wrote two very, very beautiful and intriguing verses. Zechariah 9, verses 11 and 10. It says, I have delivered you from death in a waterless pit, because of the covenant I made with you, sealed with blood. Come to the place of safety, all you prisoners, for there is yet hope. I promise right now, I will repay you two mercies for each of your 
wounds. Wow, this is a beautiful scripture. Well, let's start talking about verse 11, okay? Obviously, we're starting to understand what kind of prison we're talking about. But before I talk about it more, um, let's talk about verse 11. I have delivered you from death in a waterless pit because of the covenant I made with you sealed with blood. Well, the first, very first thing, in order to be part of this good prison, the best prison in the world, is that you need to have a covenant of blood with Jesus. See, this covenant of blood was sealed and done when he died on the cross for us. When he being, you know, 100% God and 100% man, came to the earth and died on the cross for us, lived a perfect life. And everyone who believes in him with their hearts and, and confesses him with their mouth, that person will be saved. And so this is the, the covenant of blood that we are called to be a part of so that we may have a true relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. So the very first thing I say to you is you cannot be part of this very, very, very nice happy prison unless you have a covenant with Jesus. And once he makes this invitation, he says, then, you know, I will deliver you, you know, from death in a waterless pit. Well, let's talk about that. Because, uh, uh, you know, it says here pit, but in, in other um, versions it says well, a waterless well. So a well is not supposed to be waterless, guys. <laughs> Can you imagine, you know, Back then, I mean, this book was written, you know, 3,000 years ago or so. When they wanted to dig a well, everything was done by hand. There weren't machines. It was hard work. Very, very hard work. And they would dig for many days until they find water or not. Can you imagine how frustrating it would be after they dig for several days to come to a certain depth and find no water. See, a life that is a waterless well is a life that has no purpose because a well exists to provide water. And so this waterless well is representing a life without purpose also, I don't know if you've ever watched a video um, of you know, when a whale is uh, dug up um, in a village that before had no clean water. How people are so happy. They jump up and down. It's a big celebration because people need clean water. See, I grew up in the northeast of Brazil where there was a lot of drought. And as a child, I remember just how sad it was to see the dead cattle and people going hungry and not being able to plant or do anything because of the lack of water. There is no joy without water. Also, they know there's no hope because a waterless well means that they have dug deep enough that if there was any water under the ground, it would have already um, you know, sprung up, but they would have seen it. When no water shows up, guys, it's sad. It's a sad thing. 
Jesus said, I came to save you from death. Because living like this is really like dying. I came to set you free from a life of the no without purpose, without joy, without hope. You are not live, you are not made to live like that. You and I were not made to live a life like that. See, and then he goes to verse 12. He says, come to the place of safety. Interesting that in other verses we'll say, come back to the fortress. Come back to the fortress. Why come back? Because the idea is that you're going you know, back to a place where you have been once, right? You cannot go back to a place if you haven't been there before. And so what is God trying to tell us through this? that we came from Him. Guys, God had created us in Him before he, you know, we were placed on the earth. We existed inside of Him. He knew we would come to be and He dreamed of us and He loved us already. And so He's saying, come back to me. You came from me. You're supposed to come back to me and have a relationship with me and walk with me and we're supposed to be best friends and I want to be your savior and your provider and your protector so come back to me to the fortress why because his presence is our fortress his presence is the guarantee of our safety the guarantee of our lives of hope <laughs> of joy and he's inviting you to come back to him and then, guys, um, he says, um, because, you know, um, he says, come back to the, uh, for I call you prisoners of hope. <laughs> this version I'm reading from the Living Bible, so it's a little bit more modern, but most versions will say, I call you all prisoners of hope come back to the fortress so the prisoners of hope you and i god wants us to god wants us to be prisoners of hope and so the this prison called hope is the best prison in the world we were called to be part of it we were called to live in it day in and day out, morning, afternoon, evening. We're supposed to always be surrounded by hope. See, it's interesting because sometimes we accept to be in an abusive relationship. We accept to be prisoners of those, you know, of abusive relationships. Or we, we, we accept to be, to be prisoners, you know, of a job that steals our joy, although it pays pretty well or very well. Sometimes, you know, we postpone living our callings, you know, for reasons X, Y, and Z, which, you know, then these reasons X, Y, and Z become our prisons. We accept to live in prisons like that. Why can't we accept to live in the prison of hope? Is the best prison there is, guys. See, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. I'm going to read just the first part of it. It says, three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. Well, let's talk about that. I always thought that, you know, hope was the weak link, the weak link 
in this three, in this group of three important things. But no, it's not. It's, it's extremely important. See, Paul in this chapter talks about many things. Talks about love, first of all, what love is. He then talks about being young and being old and doing many things, even to the point of giving your own life. I mean, this is pretty you know, dramatic and, and extreme. And so he talks about many different things. He says, but after everything, independent of the you know how educated you are, independent of the you know how rich or poor you are, if you're young or if you're old, there are three things that can never leave you. They must always remain with you. And these things are faith, hope, and love. These three things must never leave your side. But today, of course, we're talking about hope. And so God is saying hope is supposed to always be part of your life. Hope is supposed to always be present. You're supposed to always allow hope to be there. Never allow yourself to be hopeless. See, this, this series of, of messages, you know, which are called good, better, best, it's because God says that the life, you know, the path of the righteous is like, um, is like the, the, the sunlight that shines brighter and brighter until it's noonday. And so we're supposed to be a, always progressing, always growing in the Lord, you know, always getting better and better from victory to victory. We are to live a life of triumph, a life of victory. And so I want to say this to you, that in the prison of hope, the reason why it's the best prison in the world, because in this prison, it is not allowed to have, no one is allowed to have negative words. You cannot say, oh, I'm, I'm too little, oh, I can't do this, oh, I'm not capable, oh, I don't have enough resources. No, and in the prison of hope, words like these are not allowed because it's not part of the culture. The culture of hope always says, only allows for positive words, words of hope, words of encouragement. And remember, we are now being a part of this um, culture and the world of hope. And then, also in this prison, no one, no party pooper is allowed in this prison, guys. Because in this prison, only people who encourage each other are allowed. So you're going to get rid of those relationships that are, you know, so negative and so... Um, the relationships that are so um, um, toxic and always put you down and say, you're not allowed, you can't do this, you're, you're not... You're not capable of doing this. See, these party poopers are not allowed inside the prison of hope. Also, inside the prison of hope, um, it is, you know, there is no limit to dream. Remember, 
doesn't matter how much you dream, no one out dreams God. He is the greatest dreamer there ever was, that there will, there, will ever, there will ever be. He dreams more than you and me and the whole entire universe put together. And so there is no limit for your dreams. See, if dreaming in a natural way is already something good because God created us to dream, then imagine that dreaming with God Dreaming his dreams is an even better thing. Why? God is not only specialized in dreaming, he's also specialized in fulfilling dreams. And that brings me back the memory, you know, that the person who taught me to dream the most was my dad. My dad is a great dreamer and he taught me and my sister how to dream. And I'm really so grateful for that because he would make us look into the future and, and visualize what God had for us. And praise God because, you know, today we, my sister and I, we get to live great lives and we have fulfilled so many of our dreams already. We still have many ahead of us to fulfill. And something interesting is that because my dad, um, you know, taught me how to dream, um, then I also like teaching people how to dream. And so one day I was, you know, meeting with some um, friends of mine and they said, Patricia, we have a confession. We came up with a saying and it involves your name. I'm like, great. <laughs> I wonder what is coming up. And they said, um, said, every time you want to dream and think about the future and dream of things, you know, good things that God has for us, we say to each other, Oh, let's get into Patricia Smith's fantastic world. <laughs> yeah, guys, you heard it right. They say that to each other. Let's get into Patricia Smith's fantastic world. Because it says, because you, Patricia, you taught us how to dream. And you taught us that there is no limit for God. That he can always do new things through us. And that we can always you know, move forward and live great things with the Lord. And I felt so flattered and happy. And I remember just laughing and just rejoicing with them and being so grateful to the Lord that I got to, you know, um, teach them and encourage them um, concerning that. So I tell you, the mountain of hope is a mountain that we're not going to go around. We're going we're gonna to climb it. We're going to conquer it. See, the top of the mountain is there. We're going to live God's perfect will for us. We're going to dream. We are prisoners of hope, guys. The best prison in the world is called the prison of hope. And we were called and created to live inside of it. So, family, let's dream and let's conquer the mountain of hope. Mountains ahead. We are called to be happy and to dream with the Lord. So be blessed and remember that God created you to live great things in this life. And it all starts with a dream. God bless you.